Good morning. And Happy New Year. How many times are you going to write 2021, right? It seems like that's the way it is. Start out talking about heaven came down. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. fellowship room this morning. I hope the absolute worst day of this coming year is better than your best day of last year. And let's put our faith in God and let us pray, please. Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you, Father. We are in awe of your continued love for us and all that it provides to us. And we thank you so much for sending your son to come down, suffer an immense pain on the cross and die and shed his blood to cleanse our sins. Father, we will never be able to get even with you for that one. That was huge. Father, we thank you so much for this congregation. We draw strength from everyone in here. And we draw understanding from everyone in here. And Father, we just pray that you will bless this congregation 
and let us spread your word and show your light to the world. Father, we need healing for many of our sick. We ask you to be with those who have lost loved ones, Bill and Betty, Pat, and we just, we just ask you to give them comfort and give them care. And please heal all of our sick. Heal our country of the COVID-19 virus, viruses and heal the world of COVID-19 viruses. And Father, heal all of those who would defy this country. Let us come together let us help each other. Let us share the goals of each other. And let us once again become one nation under God. Be with us now as we go through this service. May everything we do be a savior, savior unto you, that you enjoy our singing, our prayers, and all of the lessons that we learn. And Father, we ask all of these prayers in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. We'll sing a last and did my Savior bleed, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. All years ago our Lord and Savior marked history he marked history by loving us by going to the cross for us by suffering and dying for us so that we have hope of eternal life
a mark on history that will remain forever, no matter how hard the rest of the world tries to diminish it or hide it or ignore it. It will always be there. Let us give thanks for the bread. Father, we thank you for this privilege, this privilege to assemble here to recognize the sacrifice that our Savior made on our behalf. We ask, Father, that we honor him and partake of these emblems in a manner that is both pleasing and acceptable. In Jesus' name, amen. History was marked and we look back and remember but we look forward. And what we look forward to is a life of eternal joy and bliss with our Savior in heaven. Let us pray. Father, again, we thank you for the sacrifice your Son made on our behalf. We pray, Father, that we recognize the blood that he shed for us but Father, also that we truly, genuinely look forward to the day when we will have an opportunity because of his sacrifice and love to be with you eternally in heaven. This we ask in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you have given us and the very small sacrifice that you ask for us to make so that we can understand just in a small part the immense sacrifice you have made for us. Father, we want to lift up our offering of our time, our talent, and our money that we are going to give back to the church so that your work can be furthered in this area. Father, we ask that the funds that we provide will be given graciously, cheerfully, and that the elders will be able to use these resources to the maximum extent possible to benefit the needs in this area and this church to help your kingdom expand and grow. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, please stand.
I forgot to find a scripture reader, so falls on the shepherd. Romans 2, verses 12 through 13. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Uh, we have something new happening today. If you have children and we want to take them to children's church, go out those doors and down the hall, and you can take your children to children's church. We have teachers ready. Okay. I want to talk about tonight. We're in one of those subjects that is the foundation of Christianity. Forgiveness. Uh, we are Christians because we've been forgiven. We are in love with each other because we have been forgiven. And yet, it's not talked about a whole lot. So uh, last week we talked about how God wants us to forgive and how he wants us to go about it. And tonight we're going to look at some scriptures about forgiveness that he has reasons for us wanting to do that. So come back tonight. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to be in talking about being bold and courageous, and we're talking about the Apostle Paul. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we thank you for this time together, and we ask you to help us to open our eyes and hearts that we understand what you want from us. And that we are drawn closer to the people you want us to be by being closer drawn to you. I ask that you help me get out of the way so that people can see you. In Jesus' name, amen. All you who sit apart from the law will perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law.
may not want you to give me a live mic. <laughs> this will take place on the day when God will judge man's secrets through Jesus Christ. As my gospel declares. Now, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will, okay, it's not working. Oh, it is working. Okay. If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in, in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You preach against stealing. Do you steal? You say that people should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you not rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among Gentiles because of you. I found this online. It's not original, my drawing. But it does show us something. The guy in the blue shirt says, yes, please. I've been assaulted and robbed. A man in a red shirt punched me in the face and stole my wallet. Now, you have to back up two minutes. And the man in the blue shirt is saying, like Nietzsche said, there are altogether no more facts. Like Richard Dawkins said, we're all just dancing to our own DNA. So, you see, I don't believe there is a really any such thing as right or wrong. I found that extremely pointed. But it hits a point that Paul's trying to make. When people set out to discover new lands and new tribes and new people with different customs, even in places that discovered civilized people never were. They found every people, every tribe, every culture had a sense of right and wrong. 
without exception. All people have this sense that if you do what's right, you can survive. So, the question does come, why do they have these same laws or different laws when you do something it gets punished more severely in some groups than others? Where did that come from? Scientists call it the sense of awe. That inside there's this thing that says, this is the right thing to do. And you ought to do it. And if you don't do it, you ought to be punished. So if God put that in us, you can start understanding where he's going in Romans 2. If you sin apart from the law, you will perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. They get up every morning and they open up and they say, this is the law direct from God. And they've got it. They know what it says. They understand. And yet, they don't keep it. God says through Paul, I don't understand that. If you're devoted to me, I don't understand how knowing my law and knowing what I want, you can just go ahead and do what you want. It seems like he's hammering down on the Jews, and he is. but it gets a little stronger. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness. And their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge man's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Now, this is kind of... Hard to explain, and I'm going to give you a real rough shot at it, and if you don't get it, see me afterwards. He's saying not everybody's in the same category. Here are the Jews who have grown up under the law. They have the law. They understand the law. They have this group, and so if they had the law and they grew up under the law, God's going to use that law to reward or punish but, what about us? Most of us are not Jewish. We're Gentiles. We've never been exposed to the law. When this was written, they didn't. 
Well, what, what's God going to do with them? Is he just going to condemn all the Gentiles to be eternally lost because they didn't have the law of Moses? That's what the Jews taught. But Paul says, back up a second. What if you have a person whose heart is so fully developed that he is longing to be my person and do my will. He's trying to live the life the best he can. God's going to judge him too, but not by the law. The Jewish people thought they had the law from God. And they were his chosen people. And God didn't care about people who, like us, are Gentiles. But Paul says, yes, they do. He cares about Gentiles. He cares about Jewish people. And when he comes into the place, he's going to be looking at some things that you don't typically think of. You call yourself a Jew. If you rely on the law and you brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you're convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of nature. Law's not bad. Law's very good. It teaches you what God wants of his people. And he's saying, that's a, that's a good thing. It gives us some revelation into the God we serve. That's a good thing if you got it. It's such a good thing that we need to look at it deeper. You then, who have the law, you, do you teach, you teach others, do you not teach yourself? You preach against stealing. Do you steal? You say that people should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You abhor idols. Do you rob the temples of the idols? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You see, they've got all the law. They're up on the street corners and they are telling people what they ought to do. And they're saying, you can't steal. And yet, when you look at it, they steal. And the people who told them not to steal are watching the whole time. Or when they get up and they preach about not committing adultery, and then they commit adultery. And the people get to know. The, 
they brag about the law and brag about their relationship with God, but you dishonor God when you break the law. It has a second effect. As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's out of Isaiah 52, verse 5. He says, the people around you who have the law, you know what you're causing? The Gentiles are watching you do all this stuff, and they're saying, you can't be much of a god. He allows people to do this. This is one of those religions which you do what I say, not what I do. And he sees the flaw in that, and because he sees the flaw in that, they're going around saying, we don't want your God. We'll choose some other God. So he goes back to the sign of the law. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you've become as one who has not been circumcised. You got the law and the law says do this, and that's really good stuff. But if you're not going to follow the law, the fact that you were, you were circumcised on the eighth day doesn't mean anything. If those who are are not circumcised, keep the requirements of the law, will they, be, will they not be regarded as those who are circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who even though you have the written code in circumcision, you're a lawbreaker. He's not holding back. Paul's trying to get them to see, you know where you're at. You brag about knowing all this stuff and having this God and, and you closely, and then you go out and live like he doesn't exist and you don't have this close relationship with your God. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outward. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No man is a Jew when he is one inwardly. And circumcision is a circumcision of his heart by the Spirit, not by a written code. Such man's praise is not from men, but from God. Do you know how much it means to God that we respond to him? You might not be Jewish, but boy, if you've got your heart in the right place and you're seeking him out, 
That's what he cares about. This is where we're headed. He's headed in chapter 3. We had some of it last week. We have some of it now. The Jews would exclude the Gentiles and Paul would turn back and say, you don't have any basis for excluding the Gentiles. Some of them are living better than you. And some are getting closer to God than you. And everybody has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. When the people on the day of Pentecost were convinced that they had crucified the Christ, they cried out, what should I do? And Peter told them to repent, which is a way of saying you turn towards God and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have done that, and you look at your life and you say, man, I'm sort of like the guy who knows what to do, but I don't do it. We're here to help if we can. If there's anything we can do for you to get your life right with God, won't you come? Why together we stand and why we sing. There's a fountain If you didn't pick up a, uh, a bulletin, there's a lot of information in there, a lot of people to remember uh, that are sick and suffering. Uh, I'm gonna touch on a few of them, and I have one ad, but uh, make sure you do pick that up. There's a lot of folks to keep in your prayers. Um, you know, we've got COVID going around, and we kind of forget it's also flu season. And we have several members that are suffering with the flu, Glenda and uh, Tommy Massey, uh, suffering with the flu, as well as Gene and uh, Nancy Eggie are both suffering the flu. So. As whether you're a vaxxer or anti-vaxxer or anything like that, consider getting the vaccination, particularly for the flu or whatever, 
because it's going around right now. Um, remember um, Gail's nephew? He's in for cancer treatment, uh, for colon cancer, and what's complicating that is he has COVID, so you know, the cancer, the chemo tends to drop down your immune system and he needs that to fight COVID, so keep him in your prayers. Matt and Amy are suffering with a virus. We don't know what the virus is, or have you heard of what the virus is? Is it a flu? Is it COVID? Do we know? He's better, but Amy's getting worse. She's on the wrong side of the slope of the curve. Yeah, so keep, keep Matt and Amy in your prayers as well. And just a reminder is next Sunday morning, right after services, we're gonna have a potluck. And it's, uh, it's an opportunity to get together and with members that we haven't really talked to much in a while. Uh, we do get to visit here some, but the whole idea is it's a fellowship. It's not about the foods, not about the decorations. It's about getting together. It's about getting together in a more informal environment with some food off to the side. So if you haven't been to a potluck, it's what you get. Now I've been told it's an elder's responsibility to say what his favorite dessert is. <clears throat> Mine's creme brulee, but I don't think I'm gonna get that at all. We'll have our closing, closing song and then closing prayer. Um. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, your word is like a lamp to our feet, which lights our path. Thank you so very much, Lord, that we can't do anything without you. We know that you keep your promises to whereas we fall short on the promises we try so we always keep and try and try again. May we stay steadfast in our particular and always true self. In Jesus' name, amen.